Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Liz. How are you? You know, I think I'm good. Good. Yeah. I know. Those of you who are listening to this, it's... It's a few weeks away when you're listening to this, we know, but the governor of California just kind of rolled things back again, and we've taken a few steps backwards. Yes, we definitely have. And so that's a little bit difficult. I know your business is struggling with that. Yeah, we're having... (laughs) I I am good, even through all this madness. I personally am fine, but there's been a lot of stress, and there's, you know, a lot of really hard, challenging decisions to make because... Being a business owner, you are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place, between knowing that the most important higher good is the health of everybody, at the same time knowing that if your business goes under, how are you going to live? How is that the yeah, good of yeah, everybody? Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, John and I find ourselves in a very awkward place many, many days in this, this last four months. So we thought we had kind of come out of it, and now we're right back in it. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and I think that that is actually what sort of inspired me to talk to you about talking today about purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think right now, we all have a singular purpose. Yes. We all, like all over the world. The whole world. I mean, if there's anything that we're kind of all together and in union on, it's let's stay safe. Well, most of us. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> let's stay safe and healthy and take care of one another. Yep. yep. And, um, you know, how something as simple as wearing a mask has become political is beyond my comprehension. It's really sad. It's really sad mm-hmm. um, because we are here in this together. And those are not just words. Right. They are actually a fact. It it's really, actually a fact. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if, if the humanity, we are all one. Right. Whether you believe that way or not, we are all connected. Right. And one of the greatest terms I've heard to talk about this time is called is the global interruption. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not just the United States. It's not just a government trying to take away your rights or whatever. Right. It's truly a global interruption. Yeah, it really is. And if we've ever doubted that we are connected, um, this is a this is a, a huge reminder. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And anywhere you go on the globe, you can see people when it gets down to individual people trying to do the same things, make the same kinds of decisions, doing the right thing. What are they going to do with their kids? How are they going to deal with school? How are they going to keep their businesses open? How are they going to stay safe? How are they going to see their loved ones who are ill? We all are dealing with the exact same things, no matter if we're here or in Europe or in Africa or whatever. Right. And we really are. We're all one. And Democrat, Republican, Christian, yep. atheist, it really doesn't matter. 
we can find ways to come together and to find our purpose. And so that's, I've been questioning, Mm -hmm. um, especially now, you know, what my purpose is. And it's caused me to like think back over my life and, and how I interpreted my purpose as a kid mm-hmm. um, as compared to, to now. What's happening so now. I thought we'd just kind of talk a little bit about purpose because yeah. I know a lot of people out there are trying to figure out what the heck yep. is my purpose in yep. all of this. Yeah. And if we want to be selfish right now, let's ask that question. Mm-hmm. What is my purpose? Right. Instead of, you know, what, what's in it for me, how about if we just ask, what is my purpose? Yeah. And then selfishly, and with every fiber of our being, pursue that. Right. And I bet we can uh, come together and do a lot of healing if we would just all look for our purpose and then pursue that. I, I think you're ex- absolutely right. And I know, I know for me, I have had a person like me, the way I'm knit together is I like to do things. I like to go, 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 go. I like projects. I need things to do. I have purpose. I want to, I've got to accomplish this and that. I'm very kind of doing oriented. Yeah. And it's purposeful for me. And I've had to stop. (laughs) Me on the other hand, I'm like, I really would like to accomplish A, B, C, or D, but I don't even know how to start. So then I just watch Netflix. Um, <laughs> so we all we all are struggling with yeah. getting something done. Well, I'm I'm curious to hear, as a child, what kind of sense of purpose you had because I I have thought about that and I'm not sure I was even in touch enough with who I was when I was a kid to feel like. I had purpose, but right. but I yeah. think you I think you feel differently about I, your I life. I do, I do, and I remember knowing from practically the day I was born. Well, probably not the day I was probably the day that my siblings, you know, were born. Mm-hmm. I remember knowing that as the oldest, my purpose was to help care for them, hmm. and uh, some of that was just the tasks that I was given as the oldest child. And some of it was actual verbalization Mm -hmm. and my mother telling me, you're the oldest, your purpose is to help care for these siblings. And so there were three younger than me. There's actually four younger, but one came many years later and and is my father's child. But um, the four of us that grew up together um, were born very close together, okay. you know, four and four and a half years. And so I was the oldest. My parents divorced when I was about 10. And when I was 11, my mother went back to work and I stayed home with the kids uh, every single day during the summer and was the caregiver. Wow. Um, I had dinner on the table when my mother got home. I loved to make uh, tapioca pudding was one of my favorite things to make. <laughs> not sure why. Don't think I've had tapioca pudding in many, many years. I am not a fan of tapioca pudding. <laughs> but I love to make it. Um, I became a pretty good cook. And, um, you know, I remember even the police coming to our house one day because my brother, who was maybe seven at the time, was out riding a mini bike around. And uh, he was on the street and probably shouldn't have been. So Mm -hmm. he came home and called my mother, who was at work. 
and said, you know what, we feel like everything looks just really good around here. We want you to know that everything's fine, mm -hmm. um, but we just don't want your son riding the mini bike on the street. And I remember standing in the kitchen and thinking, everything's fine. I'm doing a good job as an 11-year-old. Um, That's a lot of responsibility, Liz. It was a lot of responsibility, mm -hmm. but I don't ever remember thinking that it was more than I could handle. Yeah. Um, it just was because it was my purpose. It was my role as mm -hmm. the oldest, as the oldest sibling. Yeah. I don't know if my role would have been that if I had been a boy. Right. But right. I, certainly as a girl. I mean, as you're saying that, you know, my mom was a single mom too, and and I had some some of those similar responsibilities. I had to cook. My mom would leave me a, a list. I had to come home from school and watch my sister, right. and I had to make meals, and I had to do all that. But it's funny, because I, I never had a sense that that was my purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, if anything, I probably was more resentful of it, but I did it. Right. But I never had a sense that that was my purpose, which I think is interesting. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that. You, you yeah. know, but I didn't become a good cook because of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. But you're an incredible artist. Well, um, but I, I don't know why I felt like that was my purpose. Probably because, again, I was actually told those yeah, words. Exactly. That, that, was, That's, uh, yeah. that was my purpose. Yeah. But I also remember pretending to be on a talk show and pretending to be a guest and to be interviewed by like Mike Douglas or Merv Griffin or one of those, <laughs> those awesome. other interviewers of the day. <laughs> That's awesome. And I would sit in a chair and they would ask me questions and I would answer and I was so excited to be a guest on the show. So I had this thing inside of me that knew that I wanted to perform, but I didn't know yeah. what that looked like yeah, or what yeah. my opportunities or possibilities would be. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew that I had this thing inside of me, but it I didn't really consider it a purpose. Right, right. Um, and then when I got a little bit older, I got married very young. I moved out of state and got married very young to a guy who, um, you know, he used to read scripture to me. Uh, in which he would read about how wives should submit to their husbands. Um, and how then very he would, helpful for him. <laughs> I know, right? I'm so glad that he gave me my purpose. Um, and then and then we would get in big fights, and he would be verbally and emotionally and even physically abusive when I would use the wrong fork when we were out to dinner. But I wasn't to complain about that because my purpose was to be the submissive wife. And um, happily, I didn't, you know, wasn't married to him for too terribly long. But then I got married again and had more kids. And as a young mom and wife, I was deeply entrenched and involved in, that, in the church mm -hmm. and in that culture. And I wanted to be a biblical wife. Yeah. Proverbs, the Proverbs 31 woman. woman. That's right. I wanted to be the Proverbs 31 woman. I always didn't like her very much. <laughs> she seemed to live in a box. I just, I tried that too, Liz. I really, really did. Yeah. I was good at parts of it, but. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I mean, those of you who may not be familiar with that, if you, you know, can Google Proverbs 31, go read it. Because I think she dresses a certain way and she talks a certain she, way. She gets up really she gets up early. early. <laughs> really early. And then she goes to bed really late. And she does everything. Everything. Like, 
everything. Right. I don't know what the dude does. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I know. And I wanted to be that. And I wanted to be the stay-at-home mom. And that was my purpose. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the, the late 80s, early 90s came along. And then there were big mega churches mm -hmm. that started asking people to find their purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the point of that was to help churches run good and efficiently. Right. I remember all that. Yeah. And so I think Willow Creek started at first mm -hmm. in the... Um, is that Rick Warren pastor? Um, or well, that, that was Purpose Driven Life. Okay. And so um, uh, Willow Creek was... Somebody will tell us who it was. I think his name was Steve. But okay. um, that was a very creative kind mm -hmm. of environment, mm -hmm. Willow Creek. I loved, loved, loved what they were doing, uh, there. What they were doing there. Yeah. yeah. And so they did this um, assessment test to find your to find your gifts. And so they wanted you to find your talent, mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. talent that you were born with, right. the mm -hmm. spiritual gift that you were given mm -hmm. by God, um, plus your experience, your life experience. Mm -hmm. And those three things added together became your passion. Right, and that became your purpose. And that became your purpose within the body of Christ. Right. So, if you were working in the nursery, but really your gifts and your talents were to be in the kitchen, or to be in the kitchen, <laughs> or you know, building things yeah. or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. then ultimately you're going to end up having burnout working in the nursery. Right. So you should probably work someplace else. And of course, I always scored super high in the creative communication end of things. Mm -hmm. Because that is not only what I was born with inside of me, right. um, but it was, I feel, like a spiritual gift as well. Yeah, it was kind of given to me to yeah. speak you know, creatively and yeah. to speak truth from a creative standpoint. Right. And so I felt like I was finding my purpose. Mm -hmm. And then Rick Warren did Purpose Driven okay. Life. Okay. And there were there were books and there were studies and mm -hmm. there's 40 days of purpose. I remember all that. Yeah. I think we did all that. Right. I and know so, we did. And so you do it because you want to you wanna find your You wanna find your place. Where your you, place where, where you, you where you belong and like you said, in within that the body of Christ yeah. You wanted to see, you wanted God to use you yeah. so that you felt, I guess, important in the eyes of God and helpful and that you were doing your job. That you were doing your job. Yeah. And, you know, the Bible's really clear about the, the body and uh, what, uh, that all the parts work together. And if yeah. your big toe hurts and the whole body hurts, right. and, you know, the big... Which really is true. <laughs> Side note, I have had a toothpick embedded I in my foot for you 30 have, days. And, and you have shoes on. I do, I do. I'll Yikes. When it's all over, I'll show you I'll show you the toothpick. You can't, you can't post um, photos in, within a podcast, but people, <laughs> she has a toothpick in her foot. And it's floating. And it's, oh, man. <laughs> and it wants to come out. Um, and so I do know, I'm very aware of the fact that when a part of the body does not function well, then the whole body right. uh, suffers. Right. Um, and so I wanted very desperately to find my purpose. But when it's the arts... Yeah. 
that can be a challenge. Yeah, it really can. And because so, first what, of all, there's a lot of drama, mm-hmm. excuse the pun, but um, then there's also the whole idea of whether or not you're living the life of a sinner. Right, know? because because you're a singer. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's true. Right. Now, you, in fact, have always been a singer. Mm-hmm. You sang in in the church, on the stage in the church. I did. Were you also a singing in theater or clubs or anything I was, like that during I, that I time? Was, I was doing both, Okay. which a lot of people really had a hard time with. Okay. Really had a hard gave. I remember when my first husband and I were getting a job at a church. He was, you know, interviewing, and whoever was on the... The, the board or the staff or whatever who you know the interview the interviewers were like well you know his wife sings in clubs and bars and I think somebody else somebody who was there said something like well well how how do you know <laughs> <laughs> now that is a wise question uh-huh. so um, I and I don't know what you know his response was at the time but they, they hired us and, you know, it wasn't an issue. But there was always that kind of, um, I don't know, push and pull that I felt inside of me to want to be a part of the church. I never felt like they were separate. Right. Inside of my own spirit and soul, I never felt like I was any different when I was singing in a club and people were dancing or singing at church and people were worshiping. Now, it's obviously two different environments, but I never felt like it was that different. I always felt very present that I was using my gift wherever I was. To make people happy, uh-huh. to make and people joyful, to, yeah. to bring people to a place yeah. of and worship, I, if you will, I, even I, in a bar. Yeah, and I never felt that weird thing of well they're serving alcohol and I I never felt that and I think and this is something that we had touched on on a, in an earlier episode I think it's because I didn't I didn't have a faith life-changing faith experience until I was about 20 mm-hmm. so I didn't grow up with baggage with with all of that and so I didn't I almost didn't get it Right. Like why I'm singing? I'm using I'm I, I'm a singer, in, you know. Right. But yeah, I always felt that my purpose. Now I was like you. I mean, I got married young and I had kids, and I had that same kind of thing too. I didn't grow up in kind of a with a nuclear family all together, and I was kind of hell bent on trying to keep that together and keep my little family together and be the Proverbs wife. I mean, and I I had, and I did feel like that was my purpose, but I also had this thing that I was supposed to be this singer girl. Yeah. And, And during the years where I was really involved in church, and I'm not anymore, but the years that I was, I really, really had this almost pressure on me it felt like pressure to to be this spiritual singer, like I was supposed to have some message somehow, and and mm. and that's it's interesting as I look back on that because I really believe that that was my purpose, but I don't think that in your purpose you're going to feel pressure, you know. And so years later, after some things happened, and not. I still 
sing and worship and all of that, but I just don't physically go to a building. Right. Um, but years later, I kind of came to an understanding that that I, that pressure that I had on me to do my purpose, I mean, it was intense. Um, I was able to let it go. Right. And when I did let it go, my singing got better. Mm-hmm. I discovered other kinds of music that the voice that I have inside me, I'll say liked better. Right. My voice, right. I found jazz and I found other forms of music that I actually felt so much freer in. Right. So much freer in. And, and so... And as the pressure to conform mm-hmm. and when people told you what your purpose oh. was as opposed to you finding your purpose, yeah. as soon as you let that go, because what do we do with the voice inside of us? We put it in the closet and shut the door and yeah. that becomes a skeleton that we can't uh, talk to or get close exactly. to because it's it's bad or it's, you know, we have all these other people and I, all these other entities telling us what our purpose is. And when you were able to let go of that, all kinds of doors opened All up kinds of doors opened for me. That's really, really true. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think back on those times and I just, the pressure, you know, and I think a lot of people kind of fall into that because they their hearts are pure and good and they want to serve and they want to be in their in God's will and all of those churchy words right you know or your family's will your mother's yeah. will your dad's will your and I don't mean physical will but yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah you want to be you want them to like you exactly. you want to be accepted exactly and so you conform to what other people are telling you right. you were put on this earth to do right i remember you know, I was in, I was at a different church, the first church that I actually really got involved with, and there was a group of people, and we would pray. And I remember the the leader of that little study, like laying her hands on me, and saying, "You know, you're going to be the next Amy Grant." I, you know, and I was 22, and and you were good with that, and I you were like, like "Woohoo!" <laughs> I, I mean, I believed that. Yeah. And that's just so sad. I'm sorry, Amy, if you're listening to this. I mean, I loved you, yeah. and I still do. Right. <laughs> I still right. love you. But she's she is Amy, and I am Deb. That's right. You know, and it took me years, though, to unravel and undo some of that kind of head trip that I bought into because I didn't really know any better. Yeah. So finding, I think finding, for me, finding my purpose has more... I feel like my purpose has always been there, and it's not something that I have to strive for, but it's something that is going to be revealed to me as I open my hands and, and let my day unfold. My purpose is going to be revealed, and I feel like that more and more and more, mm-hmm. and I don't have that pressure on me anymore to go be a evangelist right you know isn't it interesting though I mean it, it I mean speaking of evangelists I don't know if everybody 
you might not know who Beth Moore is, but she's a very famous Bible study writer and speaker, and and she's kind of a, an adorable woman. I know exactly who um, she is. But I remember a friend of mine said, I want to be the next Beth Moore. Well, yeah. why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Beth Moore is Beth Moore. Right. And so why are you, why do you want to be? And even in the, I mean, in a secular world, you know, I want to be the next Elvis Presley. I want right. to be the next Michael Jackson. I want to be the next. Why? Yeah. When you were put on this earth to be you. Exactly. But I don't, I think something has to happen. A shift inside of people has to happen. And I don't think that anyone on the outside can necessarily make that shift happen. I think people who are seeking are going to be seeking. So maybe someone listening to this today mm-hmm. who's struggling with their purpose it will listen. You and I can't make that shift happen for that person. But if that person is open and willing, those shifts can happen inside of people and then and they can find their true purpose. Exactly. You know, and they can be on the road to discovering your purpose. It might change. It might shift and change a little bit. I mean, not all roads are exactly straight. Mm-hmm. They might curve around and you might be in a season where this is going to be your purpose and your focus, but then it might shift. I feel like that's happening for me a little bit honestly because of covid mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i mean you and i sitting here doing this is a shift right of purpose right. and focus and kind of leading what what we we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> well, and to you, that you know? end, i want to encourage people that mm-hmm. when you go through some sort of terrible trauma or loss mm-hmm. to recognize that that may in fact be um, you know the the universe's way of shifting you mm-hmm. off of the road that you're on and onto something else right um, because here I was the director of the drama ministry at this big mega church and thinking that that was your that was it that was I, it right that was it and I was writing and I was directing and I was acting and I had uh, a team and we worked well together, I thought. And, I, you know, everything was going f- great. And, um, you know, then slowly but surely that, that got chipped away and torn down. And I've talked a little bit about, about what happened and how that happened. But, you know, I had a pastor um, say to me, well, I, there was some decisions that were being made kind of behind my back. And so I started asking questions. Why is this mm-hmm. happening? And so I had a pastor call me and say, you're on a dangerous path because these men have been put in authority over you and you need to not question them. Yikes. Right. And then I had another pastor um, tell me after some responsibilities were taken from me, I went to the local theater and auditioned for a show because I thought, well, if I can't do that here, I'm gonna do it there. I, I definitely have that inside of me mm-hmm. and I want to be the best me that I can be. So I'm gonna go over here and audition. Well, I got cast in that, which then prompted the pastor what to was say, the show? the show was Bo Jest. And it was a great comedy. It was an incredible comedy about a young girl named Sarah who um, has a traditional Jewish... Actually, Sarah and I have a lot in common because even though my family was Christian, her family is Jewish, and they didn't want her to date a non-Jew. So she hires somebody who's... Last name is a Jewish sounding name <laughs> to come be her boyfriend, and he turns out to not be Jewish, which completely freaks her out. 
And um, of course, they end up falling in love, and, That's awesome. and everybody loves one another at the end. So, so what did um, the pastor say to you about that? I'm well, sure he didn't like it. No, he didn't like it. And <laughs> what he said was, "You have proven to me that your heart is no longer in the right place, and now you need to leave this." So, everything that because I, you went and did a show in the theater, see, yeah. yeah. So everything that I had built in this ministry and the team I had working with me the team sort of started to implode for reasons that I didn't understand at the time. I came to understand later, but um, there was, you know, there's personalities mm -hmm. and things being said to other people. And, and instead of ever coming to talk to you about what's being said or what's happening, there's a lot of decisions that are being made behind your back because one person thinks that they heard this and another person believes that. And, yeah. You know, on and on it goes. Gossipy, gossipy, gossipy. Gossipy, gossipy. a little, talk a little, theater. Exactly. And so, and and then I tried to talk with the with the with the big pastor, the main pastor, the the man with the southern accent who sat behind a big desk. I know him. <laughs> and he said to me, um, "Because you work for the theater, you are a danger to our reputation." So there was no, um, you know, there was no reconciliation and there was no restoration. But here I'm thinking that I have oh. found my purpose. Right. And, my and it was just pulled out and from under pulled, you. And all the tests that I took through Willow Creek and through Purpose Driven Life, they all seem to indicate that here is my purpose. Here are my gifts. Here are my talents. Well, I you think know what? that's all true still. I think it's still true. But I'm like, I offer this to you. I offer this to God. I offer this to this body. Mm -hmm. I offer this to the church. I don't need to be out there in the world, as I put air quotes around that. Um, I just want to be using my gifts. I remember at one point the pastor said, you know, the pastor that told me my heart was in the wrong place. I said, don't you think that maybe I can be a light out there in the world? Well, that's what I world? used to say. You know, don't you think I can be a light? I and the answer was, um, that's just an excuse for you to do what you want to do. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It's like, I can be out in the, I can sing in a club and right. be me. Right. I'm not smoking and drinking. Well, I might be having a glass of wine, but I'm not. <laughs> in a Starbucks cup. Yeah, in a Starbucks cup. Yeah. It's right. No. But, you know, I mean, I was never some crazy. Exactly. I, I actually was careful because. Because you were on staff yeah. at a church. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't want to be. You and know. I was careful because I, you know, I worked at a church. I was also a mom of young children. I mean, all of right. those things I was taking into consideration during that time. And so to have somebody telling you that your heart um, is not in the right place and having somebody define what your purpose is. Um, so here, you know, again and again and again, I felt right. like my purposes were being put on a shelf. Well, well, they were being not even put on a shelf. They were being like not stomped, stomped on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. at least on a shelf you can go, okay, well, I know I'm going to get to use that later. Right. <laughs> right. It's like... But when they're stomped on and they're thrown mm -hmm. under the bus and they're mm -hmm. run over a thousand times. That's what that feels like to me. Yeah, that's what it felt like. And so it was very hard to then reclaim my purpose because, again, I continue to, and even to this day, 
um, continue to be a woman of faith to some degree. Now, like you, I no longer am involved in church yeah. or attended church um, because it is healthier for me healthier to for me be um, to to just walk my own path and and to live in my own truth. Yeah, and for now, I mean, and that may change. I may find a place where I would want to go, but right now, I I have not found that. Right, and, and I'm. I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm totally good with that. I don't... And here's the deal. After being, you know, stomped on um, and having my purpose be devalued uh, and being forced out of that environment, an environment I did not want to leave. I know you didn't. um, But here's the deal, is that it pushed me into another direction and to find purpose in other ways. Mm -hmm. And that, as we've discussed earlier, you know, that has led me into teaching and into working at the theater and directing and and writing and all kinds of things that I would never have done. Right. And you've had a rich theater life in our local theater community here. Absolutely. You're sort of a rock star in the theater. I uh, I like to think that people know who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's not even, I mean, there are some true rock stars that have come out of this community. Some incredible, you know, theater stars. Exactly. And And singers and legends. Legends. Legends, mm-hmm. yeah, real stars mm-hmm. who have won Tony Awards and, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of other awards. So, yes, um, and I'm not one of them, but I am, I am one of the people who has taught some of them and who is a foundational person. And that's the thing, is that your purpose doesn't have to be the star of the it show. It absolutely does not. Because those extras up there working their tushes off, mm-hmm. um, bringing the props to the to the lead singer and making sure that that mm-hmm. prop gets put in the right guy's hand at the right moment and all that, those people are crucially important to the show. Yeah. And that's who I am. I'm a behind-the-scenes foundational person. I'm the person who will direct sometimes, who will be the, Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll be the lead in the show, but other times I'm the person who comes in in the second act, you know, halfway through the second act, says a couple of cute things and leaves, you know? Right, So, but that person is just as important to the whole. Exactly, and it's the experience, too. It's the experience of working with the team. I mean, that's like music. You know, if I had a choice of just standing up there all by myself or having a group of people on stage with me, oh, in a New York minute, I want people on stage with me because we get to work together. We're a team. We're listening to each other. We're talking to each other. And that's, you know, being in the theater, even if you're the girl who comes in in the second act, that's your purpose in that moment is to be part of that team and make that show so that the people watching can have an experience. And really, nothing feels better than to be a part of a team. I know, I know. You know, and at the end of it, say, we did that. We did that. You know? And the great thing about theater or music or, um, you know, most of the arts, frankly, is that you can work with people with whom you have very little in common. Mm So that brings you together. But that brings you together yeah. and you're all working together. So you can work with people who from different religions, mm-hmm. um, different sexual pro, uh, pro- proclivities, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, different um, 
economic stations, mm-hmm. um, all, all of that, that, and suddenly you are a team. And some, suddenly you're all on equal playing ground, and you're all kind of one. Yeah. It's sort of a little micro environment of, I wish how the whole world was. Yeah, because if somebody you blows know? a line, you know, another person is there mm-hmm. to, to to fix it right. and to, to say it or to cover right. so that the audience doesn't know that you just blew it. Right. Um, same thing with musicians and right. singers. You can That's blow right. a line and somebody, the guitarist is just like, I'm just yeah. going to play it <laughs> Just gonna do a guitar solo here. Exactly. Yeah. The and singer will eventually figure out where to come in. <laughs> <laughs> She'll eventually figure it out. And um, you know, look at the world though. Look at what we do when somebody makes a mistake. You know, on Twitter or Facebook, we just attack them and, and 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 I don't never. think that, and I don't think that's our purpose. <laughs> no. And that is not our purpose. No. So our purpose is to really um, find out where you can be a part of a team. Yeah, and I think what you said, like there are all kinds of, of ways that you can take a, take a little test. If you've never done this before, if you're listening to this today, there's a way because I know a lot of people, I can think of a handful of people in my inner circle who feel like they don't know what their talents are. They don't know... They're not, I can't sing, I can't paint, I, I don't have any talents. That's not true. Right. And there's a lot of, I think, women, and men too, but I want to say women who, like, when after their kids leave, and, and they've been a housewife, mm-hmm. they've been a stay-at-home mom, you know, and now their kids are gone, and now they're wrestling with what their purpose is, mm-hmm. you know, and and... So there are there are tests you can take. Just yeah. just little questions. There're not there nothing that are scary or anything and you can find out. Oh, well, gee, I do like to cook. You know, I really like to cook. Well, I don't, but <laughs> but you know, I, mean, I have become a sour queen. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And you yeah. can you actually can figure out what your passions are. Everybody's good at something. It might be something that you don't even really recognize. It might be that you're really good at listening. Mm-hmm. You're really good at listening to, or you're really good, you're, you have intuition, and you can, you really feel like you can tell when somebody is having a hard day. I mean, that's a gift. And what have your experiences been like in this world? Those are the things that you can um, bring to the table. Exactly. And um, maybe lift up another person who is going through the same thing. Exactly. Um, I, you know, people say, "Why do good, bad things happen to good people?" Well, I think that bad things happen to good people so that good people can rise up and be there for other good people when bad things happen to them. Well, that's a good. I've never heard it said that way, but I like that. <laughs> and that's our purpose. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. to say, "Hey, I I empathize." I I have a very good friend who's a she's a. A pastor actually and she's like we human beings have two, two jobs number one is to wake up we need to wake up and number two we need to do something good for the world whether and that's something small it doesn't that doesn't mean you have to go out and you know but your purpose is is to wake up wake up and then what can I do today yeah. what one little thing can I do today that's gonna bring joy and, and peace and grace to the world and if you can find it in those moments, then you 
you will be able to find kind of what the bigger picture of your purpose might be. Yeah. You know? So I believe in, that. In talking about, you know, the 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 pen the the pandemic and and how we are just sitting at home, you know, twenty four seven, some of us, some of us are still able to work, which is great. Um it's important that you understand that even in the midst of the pandemic, you have a purpose. Yep. And so I, I did come across um, this uh, this online source, the Great Good Magazine. It's called the Great Good Magazine. And during this global interruption, there are things that we can do to help make things better. Um, for instance, we can virtually connect with other people from other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. We see it all the time. We yeah. see these groups you know, who gather to sing, et cetera. Yep, yep. We can do that. Mm -hmm. um, we can find uh, ways to volunteer, mm -hmm. to maybe go uh, buy medicine for somebody who's older or deliver mail, uh, uh, meals yeah. to somebody for older. Sure. And there's other people who want to do that too. Right. They have a car that's working. <clears throat> they have a gas tank that's not being used to go to work. Exactly. So exactly, people want to do that with you. Mm -hmm. You can just be just be creative and kind of again. You can well, what am I good at? Well, I'm a, I can I can sew. Exactly, I could make some masks. I could find an organization that needs some masks. I mean, and then you're gonna have. It's gonna feel good to make to do that and to yeah. make those masks. And There's to know that little they're babies being born right now whose family members cannot come to the hospital right. and see them. Right. How great it might be to maybe make some little blankets and donate them to a hospital. See if, uh, depending on how things you know, COVID related and stuff. But I bet people would love to have some blankets hey, that are donated. To I hospitals. bet they would too. Um, we can also go on the Nextdoor app, which here in the United States, there's the mm -hmm. Nextdoor yeah. app, which connects you with your neighbors in the area. And there might That's be right. people out there who are who live on the block right behind you that you don't even know. That's right. Who have said, hey, you know, my tires got slashed last night and I need to go to a doctor's appointment. I need some help. Hopefully you don't live in that kind of a neighborhood, but if you do... Mm -hmm. Well, pretty much we all do. These <laughs> we kind of all do. And you get in your car and you go and you drive them to an appointment right. if that makes you comfortable. Right. Wearing masks and, you know. And that's the other thing is just um, deciding mm -hmm. when you go out in the world mm -hmm. to be the light yeah. instead of looking for the light. Yeah. you got to be the light. And so you can be the light by wearing your mask. Yep. By staying six feet apart. By smiling with your eyes. I smile behind, behind your eyes. Behind your mask. Behind your mask. Making sure that you are doing all that you can do mm -hmm. to care for your brothers and sisters in this world. Yeah. Because we are brothers and sisters. Well, and we started this this podcast episode out by um, saying that we are all connected on this planet. We are we are all connected we're brothers we're sisters we really are yeah and you know it's just it's hard for me to imagine that there are people that don't see that yeah. but you know they need to wake up I really do believe <laughs> that this global interruption has happened to remind us mm -hmm. of how connected we are with one another. Mm -hmm. And, you know, through all the years, every single time we go and we party at a lake with a thousand people and we're right there with them, well, maybe we weren't spreading a disease at that point, but we were connecting. Right. 
And so now there's like a virus that says, hey, you connected with a stranger. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, how about if that virus were just love uh-huh. and smiles and there's there's other ways to to connect with one another. Exactly. And exactly. let's spread a different kind of virus in the midst of this pandemic. Yeah, I agree, Liz. That's a good place to stop, I think. Let's spread let's spread the love, people. Spread the love. You know? Yeah. Go out there and be a virus that heals. That's right. That's yeah. right. Find your purpose. Your purpose is to love unconditionally yep. and smile underneath those masks. That's your purpose, baby. That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, with that, I think we're going to say thank you so much for listening today. And um, we look forward to you tuning in next time. Yes, we do. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.